Hello, hello, my friends. I am Jenny Lin, and this is my show. I am a wife and mom of two crazy kiddos. I have struggled many years with chronic illness and pain. I have a passion to find out as much as I can while navigating through life, not always feeling 100%. I have realized that having a positive mindset is a must in today's crazy world. You deserve to live this life showing up as your best self, and I can help you get there. If you've been feeling lost after becoming a mom, you're not alone. I know that incredible woman is still in there, just begging to be found. I am here to create a safe, non-judgmental space for like-minded women. Let's empower each other. I am so happy you're here. Now, let's jump into the 123 Mom Squad podcast with me, Jenny Lynn. friends and welcome to another episode of 123 Mom Squad. I am so happy that you're here and listening to this episode. Today I am interviewing Jen Fiore. She's a person who just loves to be happy and let me tell you once you listen to her voice she's just gonna make you smile. She's like a ray of sunshine. She's a wellness coach, a psych K facilitator, an energy worker, and an author. She tells of her life experience and the decade-long healing journey in her memoir, all the parts of me. She's gathered tools to address how she was feeling in body and mind and learned how to free herself from what she believed she once was to step into the power of who she is as a spiritual being in a human experience. Jen believes that everyone has the right to live the life they desire. They just have to be willing to make the shift. Are you ready to make the shift? All of this, and she is a gluten-free expert as well. So without further ado, Let's get to it. Hello and good afternoon, Jen. How are you? I am good, Jenny. How are you? I'm good. I am so excited to finally have you on the show and your energy is absolutely um, inspiring and I, I love to uh, to feel that. So I just want to introduce you real quick to my audience. So let's see. Well, you love to be happy, and we know we can see by your personality that you are a happy person and a wellness coach. She is a mama of three and has many, many um, books around her and different modalities to help us with our everyday life and is also also an author. So we're going to learn about Jen's journey and um, tell us, where, where did you start or how did you start your journey? What prompted you to have like a better life, I suppose? That's that's a really good way of saying it. Um, so I I'm gonna say it was um in about about twelve to fifteen years ago that I even ventured into a quote unquote journey. And you would have said that maybe like my journey began when I found out that I had celiac disease with my three kids back in two thousand and three. And that I would say would be like a small step in the journey, which at the time felt like the biggest step since in 2003 there was no food and food is really important to me food is like i'm a huge foodie being an italian american and new yorker i mean you know every occasion revolved around food but because i was so sick for the better part of most of my life since about the age of eight and we never could figure out what was wrong with doctors were completely baffled of how could you be happy and be this sick i'm like well do you know do you have a choice like you want to live a happy life 
So that made no sense to me. So I had to kind of put illness to the back burner and continue to live life. And it wasn't until 2003, I had been in the hospital several times and I found out about celiac, that I, I had that. And that explained so much of my life and my children's lives. But it wasn't until years later that I realized even though I had that diagnosis and even though we were strictly gluten-free, um, that there were many other things happening inside my body that I had to address. And so I really stepped into wellness um, first in the body, more, more and more in the body. You know, what am I doing? Why does my arthritis hurt? Why is everything hurting? Like I just had to tackle that. And then after some years, it I found out a lot of it was mindset. And, um, you know, what I believed, the beliefs I had about myself um, weren't very nice. Well, out of the stuff. When you were growing up and you'd mentioned like going back to like when you were eight, very, very young, what kind of symptoms were you having? You know, um, I if you remember, I guess. Oh my gosh, I remember. That's going to be too graphic for the, the channel, but um, no, I had stomach aches all the time. Okay. okay? And oftentimes um, I would eat and go to the bathroom immediately, like within 15, 20 minutes, the entire meal. Wow. So it, it was almost like my body just couldn't digest it at all and just evacuated. So I, it was horrible. Um, but it wasn't like it was every single day, which was kind of a mystery um, because, you know, I'd be sick for, let's just say, a week or two weeks. And then I'd be good for a week. And, and so there was no rhyme or reason. And much like autoimmune diseases, you know, it's like it builds up until it's the, a cacophony of everything. Right. And by bless my mom. I mean, she tried so hard to find an answer for me, too. But after a while, I'm like, I, why even bother them anymore? I would pass out in the bathroom. I mean, sweats. So I started to adapt like a way of just living. Like I was so sick sometimes and I would just, you know, eat crackers, which I which I didn't know what gluten was, much less weed or anything else. So really what was hurting me was what was what I was eating to soothe myself, you know. Yeah. Pastina, the Italian American again, pastina with butter and Parmesan cheese. It was, you know, things that were hurting me. Yeah. But um, I just tried to muster the courage. And then sometimes I would just like say, okay, so food, when I eat, I get sick. So I want to go to that party. So I won't eat. Okay. And so I started to do that with food. And then I felt safer to be the level of sick I was at home. So I would make sure I ate at home. So I just started to just, like a dad almost, right? Yeah. yeah. College was a bit of a pickle, you know, that was, that was a bit of hard living with other people. But um, I just did the best I could because there were no answers. No medication. And they prescribed everything, you name it. No medication helped. So I stopped taking medication because it never stopped. Right. It never really helped you to, to manage any symptoms because you were still, I mean, you still had to eat. So you were right. still having the issues. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what I... Did oftentimes as a younger person, I remember this very vividly. And then when I got pregnant with my kids, I noticed the same patterns I was doing. When I would have the the bouts, you know, of being so sick, I would get sick and then I would wait like an hour and go, I have to eat. So then I guess instinctually, I would reach for a vegetable or a fruit. I needed something else to eat because I had just been so sick. So it's probably like my body was saying, gosh, you know, you're not getting it, but you need to eat something whole food stuff and i just did the best i could i was very malnourished which meant then i learned at the you know 35 years old what i was back then was 
so malnourished. So now how did you actually find out was, cause I know that they can do um, blood tests, but those aren't accurate all the time. I know right. that um, you can do the endoscopic, they have to take the biopsies. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's more, more accurate. My brother-in-law uh, was diagnosed later in life too, as a, as a celiac, um, you know, unfortunately, and he's the only one that we know of in his family. So what is, do they consider celiac? Like, is it a hereditary? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My, um, my grandmother died very early. My father died at the age of 63. And when we look at back at, you know, what myself and my children and my father was, I mean, textbook, I mean, it's just even down to the sister disease, the dermatitis hepatiformis, like my daughter and I have that, which is like a rash from like the knee to the ankle. He had, I mean, so but we did, what did you know? I mean, what are you kidding me? We can't have pasta. Like that was our thinking. And, and, I, and, and, you know, we take for granted that everybody knows all this information, but back then celiac disease was considered you were anorexic and malnourished meant you didn't eat food. Well, I'm sorry, but did you ever meet Jen? Like I'm going to eat food. So, uh, sorry. I even had a nurse once tell me you're still. You think your celiac disease, did you lose an extraordinary large amount of weight? Like, so, so judgmental. I said, oh, I got tears in my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, is that a, is she calling me fat? Like, <laughs> but she, yeah, yeah. So, but when I found out um, in 2003, I, it wasn't even on my radar. A friend of mine had, who had taken me to the hospital just the week before had been with me in the hospital because my husband was away, had gotten diagnosed the following week. And she said, Jen, I, you know, sit down and we got to talk about this. You have got to go to the doctor, yeah. you know? And so we just, from there on, we went down that dream out. And so then your, your children, you, were they having like the same symptoms as you were when you were young? Actually, my kids were even worse, believe it or not, than I was. And each one had a myriad of different things. Like my son at the age of six was bleeding from his intestines and um the doctors said that he had um was allergic to my breast milk okay and so i thought that so it was years later that we found out obviously it was celiac and um my middle child had a lot of respiratory and car three operations for her tubes and then her adenoids and her tonsils and then it was just always something and sure enough we well, as soon as we did i mean her folder was like this thick the poor kid I mean, really had to be careful. Like I, the doctors thought, like, you know, I had to make sure I'm not doing anything to her. They're like, no, you know, like you, right. they had to that then due diligence. Like, why is she here again? I'm like, look in her ears. Okay. You know, okay. Cause I make him an appointment like every week. And my oldest one, believe it or not, had a lot of gastro problems, horrible, but she was extremely non-responsive, like in a cloud, like you talk to her and she's like what and i'd say how was your day at school and she said oh, what'd you do nothing what do you mean nothing and it's like her personality started to change a lot like that kind of took her a while to respond back then in georgia i didn't want to take her through the school system but i was getting phone calls from the school too because i knew the teachers because i volunteered and they said jen something going on at home i said my, my husband just started working more and they're like no it's anything but worried about Alex I'm like I don't know what you mean they're like she's not responding in class so I got her hearing tested 
her vision tested. And then I was afraid to get her tested at school because there was no inclusion at the time. It was always, if the kid had something, they were separated. So I took her to a private facility and they told me that she had ADHD to the, like to the nth degree, like she was not responsive. So uh, we tested, went on gluten-free diet, you know, in the weeks and, and literally that non-responsive child who would get an A and then an F, you know, second grade, then get a B plus and then get a zero. It went from that to scholar. Never again, never. This child is over child. She's my adult child of, you know, 26 is, has been for almost 20 years, like an overachiever, fantastic, alert, productive. We went from night and day. See that that's just, it's actually really scary to think that it just, ooh, just something that we literally put in our, in our systems every single day. And like, I, I know that diet is huge and I, I have to be more, um, you know, cautious with what I eat with my digestive issues. But as a busy mom, when you're, you know, when you're running around just doing things for the kids, it's like, okay, there's, there's a cookie on the counter. Well, I'm hungry. I'm going to grab that cookie, you know, right. but you realize it's just empty calories and it's just stuff that's just garbage. Like I know that, but for me to take time to actually cut up vegetables for myself, but I'll do it for my kids. But it's like, you know, you got to realize too, that your health matters because if you're not there and capable, you can't be there for your children. So it's really a crapshoot. Like you have to really take care of yourself to take care of your kids. But you also have to realize that if you want to feel better, you have to do the things that are better for your body. Yeah. And that's hard. You just, you hit the nail on the head on that one. That's very hard. And as a mother, we want to make our kids happy, right? And, you know, what would make your kid happy? Having carrot sticks with hummus, if they've had a granola bar covered in chocolate before, they're going to be like, mom, clearly not a replacement. <laughs> so that was very tough. But so I, I just started baking things and cooking things and making alternative things. And, um, but obviously as the years went on, there were more choices at the grocery store, but then I slowly realized for myself that it went beyond the gluten-free diet. For me personally, I had a lot of inflammation in my body. So doing the gluten-free diet clearly helped with so many things that were running in my life before, but I still need, I needed a step further. I had a car accident when I was 18. And as a result of that, there was a lot of trauma in the body, which I didn't know at the time until obviously years, years later. So I have arthritis, you know, I sit here in my fifties and I have arthritis from my neck all the way down to my feet. To, to my big toe. Wow. Um, so how do you deal with that? You have to make an effort for yourself. So showing up a little bit happy about the effort really affects the kids. If you're like, if you're, if you look at your carrot and hummus and say, but I don't want to do this. What do you think your kids are going to be like, mom, eat the carrot and hummus. They're not going to. Yes. So I started going beyond the carrot and hummus and having those things available, always cutting up. They were always cut up. So no one had to second guess. The apples were cut up. The vegetables were cut up. But then I would make like maybe an uh, almond cookie with, you know, um, honey. And, you know, I would try to do something like that. Or I would take the chocolate chips and I would crunch them really small and add a little bit of chocolate chips sporadically through it. So it wasn't like, you know, two cups of chocolate chips it was a half a cup yeah and little tweaks like that 
And the I love that idea, by the way. That's a great idea. I tried you girl anything. I tried anything. I mean, I was the mom when Al, my oldest was born, and she wouldn't she wouldn't eat. Um, gosh, she wouldn't eat vegetables. So, I, but she would love these meat sticks. Gosh, in 1995, like there were these meat, there was a thing, and there were meat sticks. So she, I said she likes those. So I made meatloaves in meat sticks, and I would take vegetables and puree them, and stick them in the middle of it, and make these little meat. And she ate them. So she ate vegetables. So I, I just tried to be creative and yeah, <laughs> but I was excited about it. Like, and I tried to be excited about it too. And, um, my youngest, who's now going to be 23 this year, he came to me one time when he was little and he goes, mama, everybody wanted my brownie today. And I'm like, Oh, you sweet little thing. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Aww. We, no, we're happy about his, his different food. You do have to be creative when you're a mom. I mean, if you really want to get your kids uh, eating some sort of healthy lifestyle, my my daughter is going to be 13 next month, and she's been struggling from migraines. And but she will not eat meat for me. She will literally the only thing she'll eat is a chicken finger, and um, you know, which obviously is still just not the best thing to eat because it's fried and everything. But she's such a carb. She's just noodles, noodles, noodles. And, um, so I'm trying to do more smoothies with her and get her at least eating some fruits and vegetables, but she's very, very tough and so stubborn. Um, and it's, it's difficult, you know, so we're, we're trying some new things and she likes to bake. So maybe I can, um, don't you have, you have a gluten-free cookbook that you put together, right? Well, I don't, I don't have a, I have, um, on my YouTube channel, I have all my foods that I do. I do have my own, I'm starting to compile one as a downloadable thing, but I don't have one uh, mask, you know, mass uh, produced like my other books. Well, get that going. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, and I, I, I do think that it's really important though, like that you just said that maybe a good, maybe there's a reason why we're talking about this. A good way to make the cookbook is to maybe more talk about what you just said about your daughter, like ding 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 like lights are it's like an arcade because your daughter is a great example of not just kids but even adults like we sit and we wonder why aren't I feeling better and I often whenever I coach somebody I often say you know have you reached your rock bottom yet like my rock bottom was there I mean I'm talking 17 migraines a month you know, just cacophony of pills for blood pressure, this thing, the other thing. And once I learned I could lessen that pain by eating different things, the foodie in me was like, like it's got to taste good, darn it. I mean, it's just got to taste good so I can make it taste good. You know, I mean, finding out, I ought to tell people like for your daughter would be the best example. Like there's a trigger. There is definite triggers and so um when i first introduced guys we have to be celiac i mean my kids were under the age of eight like at eight years old and under how do you tell a kid like everything you know now is gone yeah and they don't know what that means and they're like well what do you mean you're taking away everything i've ever you know used to eat and in my diet 
So we just sat in a little like circle on the kitchen floor and I sat with them and I said, you know how you don't feel good when you do this? And then they would get tears in their eyes. You know, so don't wake up. And I said, freaking. well, I was so pitiful. It was like my heart was breaking. And I said, we're just doing this so that we could feel good. Don't you want to play more? I want to play more. I want to watch TV and be stay awake to the end of the story. Like we always, we, and we went around the circle and said what each one of us wanted to do. And they said, I made a game, like, let's just try this. And then literally no one ever complained again about the food that they, I mean, my, don't, don't get me wrong. My kids were like, I wish I could have this in a, in a wrapper. And I said, we're going to find something in a wrapper. Like we're going to get excited. I always had things in the freezer for them. So for like your daughter, you know, yeah. I still want chicken fingers. I mean, why wouldn't you want still to have chicken fingers? But maybe find a way to make them without the process to make them at home. Like she can get to be part of it. Right. Yeah. You know, like, let's start making this stuff air fryers. Man, use that olive oil, make it crunchy and use the air fryer. And I don't know, there's definite ways so we don't have to, there's no reason why we need to miss out on eating good food. I just think that we need to, you know, enjoy our food. Now, do you, um, cause I know you said, you mentioned you're, you're an Italian and obviously love all the, the carbs and stuff. So what do you, do you just have a substitute like, um, gluten-free noodle when you make pastas? Yes. And then we have our favorites. My favorite gluten-free noodle is a company called Tink Yada, but my children, two out of three, love the rice and corn based ones, which now I think like Ronzoni and all these other places make them um, in the grocery store, but those are more corn and um, white rice based. I just know from my own body system, after years and years of studying my own system, that corn is not my favorite. I love it. Okay, I love corn. I love to eat corn chips and everything. But my body's like, yeah, I'm going to slow down on the corn. And, uh, you know, so. I, I try not to eat that as much. Now, if we're making it and the kids come over and that's what they want, I'll have a serving of it. But if I'm eating it by myself, I prefer. So those brands, Tinkyata is my favorite, but the easy to get at the grocery store ones are my kids' favorite. I haven't heard of heard of um, this Tinkyata. I know, I mean, we have, yeah, a few now that are just, you know, stocked in, the, in your grocery store. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously the selection is, you know, very, very minimal. Um, but maybe that's something that you can get online. Yeah, so I, you probably could get it on Amazon, but where I always compare my prices, cause you know, gluten-free stuff is more expensive and that's just the way the world is guys. I know we're gonna get like, there's a whole other train of thought that it's aggravating to people, but it costs more. It's a specialty. specialty. So um, I go to compare the prices at like Amazon, the grocery store and Vitacost, V-I-T-A-C-O-S-T. Okay. And they always offer coupons and all these kinds of things, but I find Tinkyata there often. And I'll find like, you know, other mixes and things like that of flowers. Um, and they have vitamins and all that too, but I compare prices. Okay. Now you just mentioned how important is flour when you're, if I'm making a gluten-free cupcake, but I'm using my regular flour, that's going to throw the whole recipe off. Yeah, but nowadays they have, so we used to make it, and this was always my rule of thumb whenever I was talking to somebody, you just got to think of it this way. You're obviously taking out the binding, the glue, the gluten is the glue. So I would always say two parts 
protein. So whatever the flour is, rice, buckwheat, oat. And yes, oat is a whole other thing for celiacs. Um, that's many, many celiacs um, are reactive to oat flour that or oats. That, But even in their uh, manufactured gluten-free, some people still have a sensitivity. So you've got to just know your own system. For us, all four of us, we're fine with oats. So any other protein. So two parts protein and one part the starch, um, arrowroot, tapioca, potato starch. And then you need to add in that glue. And that is usually in guar gum or xanthan gum. Mm-hmm. So two parts, one part, and then, you know, a teaspoon up to two teaspoons, depending on how much flour. And that was the way it used to be. Now they have all-purpose flour in the in any market, any store, one-to-one. I think Bob Redville calls it one-to-one. And you can literally take any recipe you see and replace the all-purpose flour that is gluten and put your own gluten-free. Or you can do that two-to-one with the xanthan or the guar gum additive. And play. I mean, just play around. I, pl- I literally have like five or six combinations of bread recipes that I use to put it up on YouTube. Because we don't always have the same taste. Sometimes you want something different. Very true. You know? I will absolutely um, make sure that everybody, you know, can see your YouTube channel with all your yummy recipes. Because I know that people that even are celiac and have for a long time are always want something new, you know. And what may work for you or what you may find yummy may, you know, not for the other. But somebody else is going to go, that's an awesome idea. And I am going to try that. So, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely, you know, something we will. And you can eat literally just because if you're, you're trying a gluten-free diet and there's so many people and I, and I'm, I'm right there patting their back. I'm, I'm cheering for them. Many people do not need the, um, diagnosis. They don't even want to go to the doctors, maybe even for insurance reasons, right? There's a lot of, you know, nowadays insurance will cover whatever the reason. But, you know, your, your happiness and your wellness are your, your guiding, guiding light in life. I mean, why should you have this life experience that's miserable and painful? So if you want to investigate it, there's tons of support. I mean, just obviously reach out to me if I could cheerlead you through. But I'm a big advocate on if you do not want that diagnosis, but you want to be well, then let's just get cracking. Let's start figuring it out. And if it's not gluten, then let's move on. What is it? Right. There's something else. Yeah. Yeah. And the last, well, this morning, um, Thursday, I released um, an episode with another um, wonderful woman that I I met. And um, she was, she's not celiac, but she needed a plant-based diet. And, uh, you know, with through trial and error and, you know, everybody is different. But again, it's like, it's a shame that you feel that you, you mentioned before, you have to where you don't want to hit rock bottom, but at some point you're going to go, I cannot continue to feel like this. Why do I have to feel, you know, you know, like crap in order for me to be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to finally make a change. Why can't we just be like, I'm not okay with feeling like this, but a lot of people just don't want to give up, you know, the stuff. And that's partly my problem too. I, I, I love chocolate. I'm good Lord. I, I have a hard time passing a donut or a chocolate chip cookie or something. But, but I have discipline, like discipline. I, I can I have self-control, like, in, you know, maybe I'll take a nibble, you know, in the morning 
I'll take one cookie and I'll take a nibble maybe through the day where I don't have to shove the whole thing in my mouth. But um, at least it's it's a little bit throughout the day. Or like um, I, because I did a gluten free diet probably well over six years now, um, and I didn't feel a hundred percent better. So it it didn't make it you know make or break me. And it was challenging because I was um, doing all these different diets and making different things for me, for my kids, for my husband. And it was, it was tough. So I stopped. But um, now with, with you, does your husband now, will he just eat what you're making? Or are you making I swear you're going to laugh at this. And I swear this is, I'm not making this up. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) <laughs> my house is complete, like, is strictly gluten-free. Not a gluten passes my doorstep. <laughs> it's just the way it is. My husband is a bread distributor. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. I, it, it both, we have had a gluten-free household. I mean, even when we used to live where I raised my kids, where we knew everybody in the town and we'd have big parties, everything I cooked was gluten-free. Um, but my husband, yeah, he owns a distributing company and he distributes a uh, bread. And I think that's hilarious, <laughs> but no, he gets his gluten elsewhere, <laughs> but, um, he eats everything I cook because I'm not, I wasn't joking when I said I'm a big foodie. Like I really find, um, food to me, you know, and I wrote about it in my book, it, 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 it's been a thing for me. It's been a common theme. I love it so very much. It means family and celebration to me. But my relationship with food, I had a little bit of an eating disorder there for several years when I was trying to work out. I had no control and I didn't realize that my mind was part of it. So I was battling my own demons. And um, finally, when I figured out, you know, you've got to fly straight, sister. You, you have these beautiful children, this beautiful family. So I still loved food and I still created these great recipes. I just had to learn my relationship with food, my relationship with my body and wellness. And so, yeah, girl, I'm going to make a brownie and I'm going to, God bless you for like uh, breathing cast and eating a bite. I'm going to eat the full brownie. But the difference is like, then I will be, you know, on my better eating plan because I don't call it a diet anymore. It's just the way I live for the other, the rest of the week or the rest of the next couple of weeks until... The next fun thing comes up where we go out and I find gluten-free onion rings. You know what I mean? So, and I'm not going to deny myself I'll have that. But then I go back to, it's just a, a meal, if you will. And then the rest is life. <laughs> so now, um, when you guys, when you, do you kind of try to just avoid going out to dinner? Or do you just kind of try to tweak in, I go out. in, the, in the menu? I go out. What I I go out, I, I again, it's a mindset thing too. I remember way back when there was a lot of fear. And so wherever this fear, then um, it was not a wonder why we would, eat, you know, get sick. Now I go out, I'm in control. I go to places that offer gluten-free or have knowledge of it. I'm not going to walk into a fried shrimp and, you know, biscuit place and expect to eat a meal. That's just ridiculous. Um, I'm not going to go to a place for, that does like hand tossed pizzas and you see all the flour and then ask for a salad. That's just ridiculous. I mean, I'm smart about it. So I'll go to a place and then I'm just going to go. I know my, I, I'm educated. I say, okay, so I see your gluten-free menu. How are you making that pizza? And they say, well, we could we do it in a separate room? I said, well, when you put it in the 
stone. What are you doing in the stone? I said, separate paddle. I said, you got me. You're good. I said, I will know in 20 minutes if you're lying. <laughs> right. Well, because some people use it as a, as a face, right? As a diet trend or whatever. And they just, I'm celiac, but it, I don't necessarily, it doesn't affect me as, you know, right. if to the extent that it would affect you, like, like, like myself, you know, I feel that I just have like an intolerance. I just cut it out when I can. If I go to a restaurant and there's a gluten-free noodle, I'll get a, get that meal. But with a gluten-free noodle, it doesn't make me feel as heavy because I, with my gastroparesis, my stomach just does not digest food well. So I just don't feel as, as full, um, you know, sometimes eating the, I guess like that. So, um, right. But, um, yeah, we owned a restaurant for, um, five years and it was a New York style restaurant outside of Savannah. And obviously myself and my kids, I wanted to be able to eat there since I spent so much time there. So I adopted, um, the gluten-free sandwiches and all gluten-free bread, but I would take precautions. And when I would ask a patron, so this is how I try to be the, the restaurant goer is with the same mentality. I would ask the person who is ordering, is this an allergy or a dietary necessity or is it just a desire? In other words, do I have to change my gloves? That I just want to arm with knowledge. And they say, oh gosh, I just can't have any gluten. Well, then we would prepare. And then somebody would say, oh, no, I'm, I just do it for my, you know, for my wellness, but I'm okay if, it, if there's a cross-contamination. I'm still going to make that meal gluten-free for you, but then I don't have to change the boards and the knives. So that's how I go out to eat. I don't, you know what? I want to be a victor, not a victim. I want to be, you know, feel good and I don't want to feel unsafe. So I just got to not, you know, be knowledgeable. Right. And, and people, you hope that um, where you go would understand that. I know because some, some workers, unfortunately, or the young ones that aren't really educated with these things, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think this. And, yeah. and then you don't want to be like, well, I need to know for sure. Like, can you expect that? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it happens, right, Jenny? I mean, it's, it does happen. So if I go to a place that has it on the menu and someone says to me, Again, I'm not going to attack people because I just don't, I don't want to be attacked back. So I'm like, I'm all about peace and love. (laughs) If someone says like, I think so. I said, one time was a manager who came over and and said, I think so. I said, Kathy, no thinking, no thinking, just knowing facts, find out, get the chef, get the label, or I don't eat here. That's all. It's all good. Yeah. If you can't guarantee that chef came out, he goes, I, you know, listen, different thing. I could do your hamburger or whatever. Are you okay with no bun? Our French fries are the only things in the fryer. By the end of the communication, I had a great burger with a whole bunch of vegetables extra on top and French fries. I was able to eat with my friends, but no thinking, no guessing. It's very important. Like I know, yeah. know and you'll know. If I have to, you know, make a a beeline for your restroom in about 20 minutes. So, yeah. Oh, it's just not. But like, again, if if they didn't have the GF there, we wouldn't have that conversation, right? Because we wouldn't be in the place. Right. So, and and, and I I do notice that, like, that is a big, huge thing. Like, I often tell this, and I tell it to my kids, but I tell it to clients all the time. It's fighting with what is. That's what it's called. Fighting with what is. 
You don't go into a restaurant that doesn't even say or know or think gluten is glucose and expect to get a steak right. meal. You're yeah. fighting with what is. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, I want to on a different on a different note. I just want to mention your your well like your your book. Tell tell us yeah. about your book and all about that journey. So my book is all the parts of me with and that is me jumping. So ju- that is literally not photoshopped. I am taking air, taking flight. Love it. And, and the reason why I I think that's so important is because of all. I mean, I just had had back surgery just a few years before that foot surgery a month after the foot surgery the doctor came back and said because my bone was sticking back out again then he said the arthritis sold back and that and you're you know I mean it it was just a cacophony of pain in the body and I said to myself I just got to keep going on this mind mindful practices and so the book all the parts of me is really recognizing and accepting all the things that make me up and I'm hoping that people read it they can see the same for themselves that we are spiritual beings on a human experience and if we honor and understand a little bit about that and a little bit about you know both parts that we could live here and deal with things that come up without being constantly um feeling like we're under attack or feeling as if we're hopeless and not empowered so mindset spirituality, wellness, it's all parts of it. And my story was, I mean, there's some parts of it are not very nice. I mean, it was painful, but I, I consider that my story. That was what got me here. So when people say, well, let's talk about this and talk about that. I said, well, I I can talk about it, but that's not who I am right now. I am not the person that was, you know, told after my car accident, right before my wedding, I remember, this is the true story. Let me say this really quick. This is what, this is why I mean, like the story is on who I am today. I went to, I was seeing spots in my eyes. I was working and I was getting headaches. I didn't know they were migraines at the time. And so I thought spots in the eyes, go to the eye doctor, right? So I went to the eye doctor and they had an appointment like a day or two later. So I went to get my eyes checked and he was like, oh, all right, um, hold on a second. And he gets out of the room and, you know, but way back then there was no cell phone. So he gets out of the room, comes back in. I have an appointment for you for tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm coming back. He goes, no, no, no I got to take you to a specialist. You got to go to a retinal specialist. Do you have someone to drive you? I'm like, can I use your phone? I mean, my mom would be able to drive me. Why can't I drive myself? He's like, no, they're going to do some probably, you know, you won't be able to see afterwards. They're going to look deep into your eye. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. I have a driver. I don't know what the heck he was talking about. No Google search. What's the retina? <laughs> you know yeah so he said it just was beyond our scope anyway my car accident when i was 18 here i am newly engaged we're gonna get married in a few months i'm thinking babies and, and then i'm sitting in this retinal surgery and he goes oh wow you have lattice degeneration in both eyes holes all over your retina he said you're gonna have to make a decision today what you want to do, because as a doctor, I have to tell you that you might not be able to see tomorrow. Like if you left my office and your mom steps on the brake really sharp, you could be blind. Oh my gosh. So that was a result of the car accident, among other things. So it's almost like 
that was who I was. I, I don't relive that now. We dealt with it. It brought me here. And now my mindset about all those things has changed. I'm not the victim anymore of all of those things, you know. They're just another, I consider myself an onion that has lots of layers. And so it's just another layer that it, I'm still there, but it was a layer that made me who I am today. So, um, wow, that's got to be scary though. So what did they just do like a surgery and you're. So, yeah, they did. So it was either going to the hospital and getting what they called a buckle or, um, because I was young and healthy for the most part. Right. Except for the stomach. So they didn't know what that was. So I was still healthy. <laughs> um, they did laser surgery for a couple of days in both of my eyes. And so now I just have, and it, it held knock on wood, thank God. Um, but, you know, I developed a lot of fear, a fearful mindset at, as the years went on because of all of these things that kept coming up. But I don't have that fearful mindset anymore because I addressed it. I feel like, you know, I know more about myself. I accept the parts of me, but I know that I can do and be whoever I want to be. I just have to see myself differently. And that's what I did. I just worked on it. I worked on it, you know? You do. I think you have to come to peace with what is what is actively in you know inside you and what has you know when if you just keep denying it and denying it you're never gonna see see it for what it is just address it and deal with it and then move on like you got to let it heal it's hard to face don't you think I think absolutely. I try to, the reason why I wrote the book and the reason why I even speak about it, I'm very passionate about speaking about it because I, it, it hurts a little part of me to think that anybody is living in a life experience that hurts them and that they're not enjoying life. I really believe that we were all here and born to be happy. And we're trying to figure out what that looks like for us and like peel, like you said, the, the onion layers off, but it's addressing it. So sometimes it's hard for people to face the things, but when we face them and we address them at whatever level it is, if it is wellness in the body, if it's um, understanding who you are as a spiritual being connected to like source or whatever God you, you know, you call it whatever name you give it. Um, I call it God, but connected to that source can open up peace and happiness. And that, that's really key. So then when you have that in your heart and that becomes like your song, Relationships are easier and more joyful. People, strangers, experiences. I mean, and then what? Lo and behold, your body starts to feel well. You're having better wellness in the body because you're happier. That's too. Look, you attract it. It comes more to you. It's a vibration. So, I mean, I speak about it so that you don't have to be 53 years old. I I want you to be 20 years old. I want you to be 13 years old and and start that. Mindful practices do not have to start later in life. They should start younger. They should be teaching these, especially nowadays in school with everything that's going on around us. These kids don't know how to deal with anxiety and all of these emotions because they just bottle it up. Well, they don't know what to do. I know. I still have a hard time figuring out how do I deal with all these emotions and anxiety. And you got to check in with yourself. And how do you tell a, 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 a 10 year old? Okay, listen, you know, you can't tell somebody to ever calm down, calm down. <laughs> the worst thing, right. You no, know, stop being so mad. You're okay. You know, no, really, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. Um, yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. And even myself trying to tell my children, but they, 
I'm their mom and moms don't know anything, you know, they're right. still have to hear it from somebody else, which is fine. But I want them to feel safe that they can go to somebody else because right. the, you, you mentioned, you know, if you need to go to a therapist or I need to talk to somebody, all of a sudden they think, well, something is wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. You are being strong and you are, you know, handling yourself maturely. They, you know, you have something going on that needs to be addressed and you want to feel better right. because it's just going to continue to eat, eat you up. You have to let it out and let it heal it and let it go. It's just going to continue to, to build. Well, I don't just tell people whenever they're, they're speaking with me, I say, I don't want you to have to speak with me for years. What we're doing is give, giving you the tools so that whatever we're talking about now, you can do on your own. Because if you think about this, whoever, whatever you seek out in life, you're going to have to take, this person's going to be gone from you in an hour or whatever. And then the real world is going to come creeping in. How is the real world? How are you going to interact with the real world? Gather these as tools. That's what I would say to anybody who would seek out therapy or energy modalities. You know, it's lovely to go to somebody and you feel wonderful, but what am I going to take away from this experience that I can use in my real life? We, a lot of people feel under attack. That's, that's like the mindset I live a lot. And I just try to give for myself the tools that I use for myself to give to other people is that you're not under attack. You can see every situation differently. You know, just give yourself a different perspective. And then when you start to do that, you almost can't help but the next interaction seeing it differently. So your, your son started to use that. I'm, just, I'm looking at this and I'm starting to feel yucky. I'm going to use this tool. And, I, and as he's using this, he starts to see the situations differently. You have the control and the power to, to get past what it is that you're going through, but you don't have to recognize that feeling. It's, you know, it's important. Yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff. I mean, there's no reason why we, we shouldn't enjoy our life experiences. And if we think that we do, then maybe we, if we think that life is hard or difficult, then maybe we need to look at that mindset right there. Because right. life can be enjoyable and food can be enjoyable and, you right. know, our friendships and experiences, they can bring us joy. Absolutely. And we're, we're put on this earth for, for, you know, one time that we know of anyways. Right. And as us, right? Is <laughs> this human being? Yeah. This, uh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's definitely meant to live the best that we can, I think so. like we can live. Yeah. I think so. I really, really do. And I, and I wouldn't, for me personally, I would not take back one second. He's like, oh my gosh. I mean, I have 10 operations under my belt, all that stuff. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't change one second of it because I'm, I'm, I'm living a very joyful, I'm three beautiful children who are healthy and balanced. I mean, and, and because of, maybe because I went through so much and I screwed up along the way, so to say, you know, that I was, okay, whatever I did back then, guys, I'll apologize for it. <laughs> and we all learned, we all grew together, you know? So. Right. Absolutely. We all have a history. We got to just uh, take it with a grain of salt, like they say, and, and really? use it to our advantage and learn from the situation and go about our lives and, and hopefully follow the right path. And, you know, and now we're here to help others hopefully realize that they can too do the same thing. Right. And, I, and we really can. And that literally is the reason why I wrote my book, because do I really want to put all my 
yuck out there. Like, I mean, it really wasn't what I wanted to do, but I felt like if I did that, then maybe I helped a few people and I have gotten that feedback that already that it helped people to see their lives differently. And then that was enough. That was the reason I did it. I helped them see. Story is, is, uh, you know, it may not be what you think it is, but it's definitely could help somebody else that they can um, connect with and see that, see themselves in your story. And that if you can do it and you got past it, well, maybe so can I. Yeah. And that's, and I hope that I really do hope that that they could be jumping one day too and hiking when, you know, they were once in the bed and bedridden like I was. So, you know. Funny you say that I have, um, I, when I did my photo shoot in October, um, I have a picture of myself in a bikini that I have had six abdominal surgeries. So my stomach looks like a dartboard. I'm not completely happy about it. But I put on a bikini for the photo shoot because I was like, I'm here. The last, I did a couple of changes, but my uh, my good friend um, did the photos for me. And it was cold. I'm in Buffalo. It wasn't a warm, warm day. The pool was just about getting closed. So I'm like, all right, I put on the bathing suit. One, two, three. I jumped in. I got my arms up. And it's not, I think I have the picture on one of my social medias, but it, me too. I'm jumping up in the air like, I got yeah. this. I'm me. I'm here in the flesh. It's all me. I'm done hiding myself because my scars make me who I am. So yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I love that you do that. I got goosebumps. That's the proud of you. Yeah. I think that's just great because we really do judge ourselves so much of this form and we like we take, you know what? I mean, I, I try to take the approach. That's why I, people are like, how can you be a, a coach and know about energy? And I'm a, you know, I have I a Reiki master too. And all the things I do. And be so loud, or like, because it does what life is could be fun. Like, we let's find the lighter side of the heavy. You know what I mean? Like, let's right. find a lighter side of it. Absolutely. And that, and like, kind of laugh at ourselves too a little bit. That you know, look where we are. We came so far. This is to be celebrated. Yeah, life is too. People take life too seriously, and you know, and, and get offended. Everything is like, oh, I take offense to that. It's just. Stop it. Just yeah. stop. stay in your own lane and don't get offended by somebody. Else. Like I just, there's nothing. Why? Nobody offends me. Do your thing. Truly what we're doing is judging ourselves. So if we could start doing the, the me work, it, that's what it is. All judgment comes here. If I'm not judging me, then I'm clearly don't have the desire to judge outside. So all judgment starts right here. You're so if I'm doing, if, if, the planet starts working on ourselves. Wow. Well, Jen, I could talk to you forever. Um, I love it. Good conversation and happiness and it's fun. But um, so I will uh, link everything up in the show notes for people to get a hold of you, um, how to connect and absolutely how to get your book if they want to, you know, take a look at that and definitely your YouTube channel and all your yummy you're yummy stuff. All right, Jen. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. And it's been amazing talking to you. And I hope to talk with you soon. Thank you. Me too, honey. Have a Great. wonderful day. Thank you all. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon, Jen. Bye. Asking all of my guests, if you could go back to any time frame, whether it was your childhood or you're like during grade school, high school, college, what time would you go back to and why? I would probably go back to grade school.
Yeah, probably go back to grade school and tell myself that what I had to say was important and my own opinions were important and to love myself that I didn't have to prove myself to anybody that I just accept myself. That's that great. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. That, that specific time. Cause if you could do that when you're younger, then wow, high school would have been easier, you know? Right. If you knew what you knew then, right. Or I should say yeah. now what you knew then. Um, all right. And if you could give any advice to anybody out there that is suffering from a chronic illness or pain every day, what kind of advice would you give them if you could say anything to them? Yeah, um, I really would give the advice to say that um, start with the body is fantastic. That's the first step as far as I'm concerned, but be willing and maybe eager to listen to advice or read up if you don't really want to take other people's advice that um, go beyond the body and, the, and go into the mind a little bit more on your thoughts about things and the energy you put towards things. And that will help you as well. And, you know, your connection and your spirituality aspect of who you are, but really having a, a good look at where your thoughts and your mind are at can help your chronic illness immeasurably. Okay. That's great advice. Great advice, Jen. I appreciate all the time that you've given us and some wonderful information. Thank you so much again for being here. Absolutely. And Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk soon, okay? Okay. Take care. Hi, friends. Let me take a quick minute and thank our very first show sponsor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. It's so easy, even I can do it. Trust me, that means you can do it too. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you all for being here. I am so glad we found each other. See you next time. Have an incredible day, my beautiful friends.